You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good evening and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on this edition, we're going to be bringing you the latest on Arsenal's transfer inactivity. <laughs> it's getting worrying now. It really, really is. And um, obviously tomorrow is deadline day. By the time you're listening to this on the audio, it will be deadline day. Uh, so a big hello to you guys. Happy deadline day. If you're with us live, if you're with us on YouTube, happy deadline day eve, whatever you want to call it. Um, look, lots and lots to get through, as always. Uh, going to bring you up to speed uh, with the news that we talked about yesterday. I know that a lot of you will be tuned in for that reason to see if I've got any updates on that. Uh, we'll also be talking about the news that's come out today regarding Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and the potential move he'll be making to Barcelona on loan until the end of the season. So we'll be uh, talking uh, some of the specifics around that, and we'll be taking your questions in the second half of the podcast as well. Uh, lots and lots of you in the live chat. Couldn't believe uh, when I went to hit the live button and saw that there were over 100 of you waiting. That is incredible. I don't think I've ever had 100 people waiting on a live stream. Um, I know to some that sounds uh, like an insignificant number, but to me it means the world. And I want to say a big welcome as well to the 300 or so subscribers that we gained overnight last night. Uh, so thank you all. Uh, thank you so, so much. Yesterday, one of our best performing videos on the channel as well. Uh, so thank you all for your support and thank you all for showing up again uh, in the uh, the same weekend, I guess, to hear my ramblings about the Arsenal. It is very, very much appreciated. I can also see we've got a new member. A uh, big welcome to Brad Lynch, uh, who signed up for the Chronicles of Aguna membership. Brad, thank you so, so much, my friend. Welcome. Make sure you hit the community tab uh, on your YouTube app or on your PC, depending on wherever it is you're joining us from, and get involved in the Discord server. The link is there. Come and join us in the Discord server. There are always lots of Arsenal chat going on in there. We've got a wonderful little community building up. If you are interested in joining that community, being part of it, doing what Brad did, then jump on uh, to the Chronicles of Aguna membership scheme. The link is in the description below, and you can become part of the family. Look, we've got another one as well. Wow. Uh, Tom. Tom, thank you so much. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Um, incredible stuff. Tom, thank you uh, as well. Thank you to everybody uh, who's been supporting the channel and who um, who continues uh, to uh, to support the channel. It really, really does mean the world to me. Uh, Tariq Talk says, can we make it a hat trick of new members? That would be class. That would be really, really class. Uh, what else have we got in the chat? Uh, lots and lots going on. Uh, Partey Assassin says, if you want Harry to tell Edu to sign someone, hit the like button. Yeah, that's a good shout. Hit the like button. There's over 200 of you with us live right now. We've only got 64 uh, likes on the board. So let's uh, let's get that up as high as we possibly can. And we've got another member. Uh, welcome, Cyrus, uh, to the YouTube membership. Thank you 
so, so much. Honestly, means the world to me. Really, really uh, appreciate it. Uh, what else have we got? Um, that JM saying a big, um, uh, big hello to JM who says, Harry, I don't follow the Scottish League, but tuned into some of your call the other night as my fellow countryman manages Celtic. Ange Postacoglu, he says, great call, mate. Thank you so, so much. Uh, SP says, Harry, come on. You have like 18K subscribers. 100 people is easy for you at this point in your career, mate. No, I, I'm not like, I'm not talking about 100 viewers. I'm talking about 100 people waiting for the live stream to start. That's pretty incredible. Uh, for me. And listen, it don't matter if you get up to a million. Um, I'll always find it difficult to get my head around why people want to listen to me talk about football. Um, but I'm obviously so, so grateful for it and so grateful um, to see the channel continuously growing. Right. Let's uh, get into it because I know that a lot of you, as I say, will have tuned in to hear if I've got any update on what I said yesterday, uh, which was to reiterate that Arsenal had opened negotiations with Real Sociedad over the potential transfer of Alexander Isak to the club this month. I did say to you guys that there was no guarantee the deal was going to go through. I did say to you guys that there was a long way to go. And I'm not backtracking on that. Let's make that clear. I'm not backtracking for a second. Um, but I'm what I'm really pleased about is that people have been sensible in taking what I said and I've seen a couple of people on Twitter sort of share it around and, and post it. And they've done a really good job of actually making clear um, what I've said, as opposed to trying to sensationalise it and losing sight of what I actually said in a bid to try and make me look bad. And I must admit, as I said to you guys yesterday, and, and you know, I, I've been in a position before in this job um, where I've had kind of information passed to me or given to me by somebody that I trust, but I've always been wary and reluctant to kind of put it out there because people can be immature and people can take what you say and, and portray it in another way and try and make you out to be a bit of an idiot. But I thought that this was something that was, you know, worth talking about and worth putting out there. Um, and, and that remains the case. What I told you yesterday remains the case. Arsenal interested in Alexander Isak have been for a while. Arsenal looking to try and bring him in by the end of this month. But discussions ongoing within the club as to whether or not they feel that they, first of all, would like to. And, and secondly, can they even do it? Um, you know, it, it, can they do that release clause? Because 90 million euros, 75 odd million pounds, remember, has to be deposited up front. There's no room for structured deals when it comes to a release clause in Spain. You need to deposit the full amount at once to be able to activate that release clause. So Arsenal having discussions around that in the meantime, trying to uh, establish whether Real Sociedad would entertain something around the region of 60 to 65 million pounds. So that has not changed. Um, I haven't heard anything else. And obviously going into deadline day, that's not great uh, because there's not much time for us to get that done. Um, but yeah, uh, th this is where we're at. This is the latest that I know on Alexander Isak. And so sorry to disappoint you all, but I've heard nothing further. And I don't know any more than what I said to you yesterday and what I just reiterated uh, then. 
Uh, Fala Sana says, uh, Harry, is Isak willing to join Arsenal? As I said to you guys last night, I think he's open to the move. I think he would consider the move. I think he would take the move if Real Sociedad were to sanction it. But Alexander Isak isn't chomping at the bit to get out of Real Sociedad. He's happy there. He's happy in Spain. He's happy with the way things are going. And therefore, you know, this is one of those where if the opportunity comes about and Arsenal do the right things, I'm sure he'll take that opportunity. But he's not knocking on the manager's door, begging for Real Sociedad to let him go because in Alexander Isak's um, eyes, you know, he he probably pictured the summer move and probably thought all along that that was going to be the most likely outcome uh, with regards to his future. A summer move away from Real Sociedad is a real possibility. Can Arsenal accelerate things and get this deal done between now and the deadline? Let's see. Let's see. Uh, right. Um, let's get into the Aubameyang stuff, because obviously that is the big story today. That Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang closing in on a move to Barcelona on loan for the remainder of the season. Now, it's understood that the last thing that needs to be agreed is how much of a portion of Aubameyang's salary Barcelona will be paying. Now, we know that Barcelona's financial situation isn't great. And some are even saying that the, the, the deal or how much they can pay is dependent on whether they can get Usman Dembele out between now and the end of the window as well, who is up for sale. Barcelona have made it clear to him that they don't want him, that they want to move him on. He doesn't want to leave because he doesn't want to have to go and look for another contract of similar monetary value. But Barcelona doing everything they can to push him out the door. And I wonder what impact his departure or non-departure uh, will have on this Aubameyang deal. But Arsenal looking to offload as much of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's salary between now and the end of the season as they possibly can. Now, as I've said to you guys before, if Aubameyang's not going to play, if what's gone on between Arsenal and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is so severe and, and such a big deal and that he could never get back in the team, then I think this is the right thing to do. I think to to try and offload as much of his wage as you possibly can, obviously is a positive thing and it means a big, big saving for the club. But what's the point in really pushing this through if it doesn't open the door for you to bring in a striker? And as I tweeted earlier on today, the optimism in me, you know, the optimistic Harry feels like Arsenal are trying to create space and clear room in the wage structure to bring in a big signing. I mean, if Arsenal were going to make an underwhelming signing, a loan signing potentially uh, for the remainder of the season up top, then do they need to go to such drastic measures? Would they have needed to go to such drastic measures in terms of moving players out of the door the way they have done in this window to accepting and taking on the risk of being left short only to then go and bring an underwhelming player in or nobody at all? That's what the optimistic side of me says. That's what the positive Harry keeps telling me. But the other side of me keeps thinking, well, time is bloody running out. So unless something is much further down the line than any of us know, it's going to be incredibly difficult for Arsenal to bring in the kind of signing that we all want to see between now and the end of the window. You let Aubameyang go. OK, he's not going to play. As I say, the falling out appears to be so severe that there's no way back for him. But the big worry about all of that is that we're not even 100% sure at the time of recording that Eddie Nketiah is going to be here come the end of the window. Newcastle, from what we're told, 
working extremely hard to try and get that deal done. And you're sitting here thinking, surely not. Surely Arsenal will not allow Eddie Nketiah to move on as well as Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. But then 10, 11 million pounds is supposedly on the table. And this is a guy that in six months time, you're going to lose for free. It's 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 crazy to think that Arsenal would do that. But I tell you what, I wouldn't put it past them. I really wouldn't put it past Arsenal moving on both Eddie Nketiah and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang between now and the end of the window. And where the hell does that leave us if we're not bringing anyone in in the forward positions in a really precarious position? You know, I've been a big backer and big supporter of Mikel Arteta and of the job that he's doing and of the fact that he seems to have a lot of difficulties that he has to deal with off the back of shit decisions that have been made in the past. But if this was to blow up in his face, if this was to backfire and Arsenal were to have a poor second part of the season, um, you know, when they return from the winter break, things were to go adrift, then you can't help but feel that the criticism that would no doubt come Arteta, Edu's way, would be warranted, would be justified. And I'll be sitting here tomorrow night and we are going to bring you a live stream uh, very late tomorrow night. I'm not sure exactly what the time's going to be because it just depends on what I'm dealing with work-wise. But I will keep you posted across social media and on the community tab. Um, but we will be bringing a late night stream. And if the window closes and Arsenal have done nothing, I will be just as disappointed and just as frustrated as everybody else because going into the window... I thought we needed coming out of the window with the players that we've moved on and could still potentially move on between now and that deadline. I think we're desperate and, and I would never understand or, or never be able to get my head around why Arsenal would feel that they could leave themselves so damn short, especially in the striker position and get away with it. I mean, I love Alexander Lacazette, right? I appreciate that he's got limitations as a player um, I don't even think he's he's a particularly clinical striker. I think his goal record tells you that. Um, and some of the opportunities he misses will give you that indication as well. But I love his work rate. I love his commitment. I love his passion. I love his fight. I love his desire. But everybody, even his biggest fan, can see that A, as I've said, not clinical enough. But B, he just looks fatigued all the time. The role he's being asked to play in this front line under Mikel Arteta is so demanding that he's going to burn out because very few players have that fitness level that is required, let alone Alexander Lacazette. And if you've got nobody to bring on and do that after 60, 70 minutes, what are we saying? You know, we're going to burn out against teams after 60, 70 minutes. What if he picks up a knock? What if he picks up an injury? What's the alternative? The alternative today, as things stand, is Eddie Nketiah. And as I say, A, no guarantee he'll still be here come the end of the window. But even if he is, he is not good enough. And that's a big concern and a big, big worry uh, for me, you know. Aubameyang, as I say, look, a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people on social media saying, you know, he's not good enough uh, for us, but he's good enough for Barcelona. Can't believe we're allowing this to happen. Look, in an ideal world, you would reintegrate Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang back into the side. But as I've said to you guys, throughout this entire Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang saga, there must be more to it. There must be something that we don't know. Did he cross the line on more than just the occasions we know about? Did he react badly to being disciplined? Did he react in a way 
that led to a, a huge confrontation between himself and Mikel Arteta or even some of his teammates too. And that's led to him being uh, cast out into the cold. I don't know. I'm speculating. But it's clear to me, if you read in between the lines, that something more than him just returning slightly late from a trip to see his mother has gone down here. And as I keep saying, yes, it leaves us short. Yes, it's not ideal. Yes, he was our ex-captain and now we're in a shit situation uh, where we're without him. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, it is what it is. And if Arsenal can stand to save themselves a hell of a lot of money, hopefully clearing the way for somebody new to come in between now and the end of the season, then, and he's not going to play anyway, then it's the right move. As difficult as it might be to take and maybe to swallow. Right, I'm going to go over uh, to the chat box in just a, a couple of minutes. I just want to give you guys uh, a bit of a reminder, quick reminder, uh, that if you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button. 138 likes on the board, but there's over 500 of you watching us right now. We've also hit 18,500 subscribers here on YouTube, which is wonderful. We want to get to 20,000 between now and the end of the season. So please, please do. Um, subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you'd like to go one further and become a member, you can do that too. Uh, we've had three new members join up during this stream alone, which is fantastic. Hit the link in the description. If you're listening via the audio platforms, then please, please do um, uh, bear with us as we're going to take a short pause for a message from our sponsors. Right, we are back. Chronicles of Aguna. Transfer deadline day eve. What is going on? Uh, let's see what's happening in the chat box. Uh, a couple of you saying check Twitter. Can somebody update me as to what is going on on Twitter? Why are people referring me to uh, look at Twitter during the live show? I'd love to uh, know exactly uh, what is going on. Let's have a look. Can I see anything? Not at first glance, but uh, please do uh, let me know if there's something I've missed. Uh, <laughs> I've seen a... Uh, the uh, the picture of uh, St. John's Wood, 5.15pm, 30th of January. 100% proof Alexander Isak is in London and has signed for Arsenal because there's a Rolls Royce uh, with a number plate of uh, I5 AK on it. Is that what you're talking about? Let me know. Please do. Please do. Uh, OK, right. Let's get some of your questions. Get them in the chat box and I'll work my way through as many of those as I possibly can. Uh, Moot said... You said discussions between clubs had started yesterday. Yep, and I stick by that. My information is that Arsenal have opened the lines of communication. That's what I said, that Arsenal have been in contact with Real Sociedad. Doesn't mean that Real Sociedad are going to accept whatever Arsenal are offering. Doesn't mean that Arsenal uh, are definitely going to get this deal done. And it doesn't mean that Real Sociedad would even entertain the possibility of this deal being done. But my information was that communications had begun. Uh, what else have we got uh, in the chat box? Uh, James Moss says, how do you personally think we're going to make any signings? We've got to, James. We've got to. I, it's it's one of those where this could potentially be so bad that I don't want to believe it could be that bad. It's like when... It's like... It, it's like when it's my wife's birthday, right? And she wakes up in the morning and she hasn't got a birthday card for me. And obviously, initially, she's disappointed. Okay. But she thinks, well, you know, he can't be that bad. Surely at some point in the day, 
I'm going to get a birthday card or a bunch of flowers or something. And that's probably how she thinks to keep her cool with me. And this is how I'm thinking to keep my cool with Arsenal, that surely it can't be that bad. So I'm going to wait till the very last minute before I cast any judgments. But it's, yeah, you know, it, it's really hard to say right now. I do believe that a player will come in. I, 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 we know that Matt Turner signed. We know that that deal will go through in the summer. He'll join the club then. Uh, but I think that, uh, yeah, I think that we will... Um, we will hear of something. I, I don't know what, and I don't want to go uh, too big on it um, because I, I don't really know. But yeah, uh, somebody re referring me to Fabrizio Romano on Twitter. What's Fabrizio Romano said? He's talking about Tangi and Dombele uh, joining Lyon. Uh, he's talking about Usman Dembele uh, moving to Paris Saint-Germain. Um, nothing on Arsenal, just that... Uh, that Aubameyang has turned down Alness's proposal uh, because he'd prefer to join a European club. Yeah, I think we we kind of gathered that was going to be the case anyway. Um, right, let's keep moving forward. Uh, Billy Kilgallen raises uh, the story of uh, Mason Greenwood and what's happened with that today. He says, Mason Greenwood, so sad, really. Yeah, look, I mean, it's crazy. I was so shocked to see A, the pictures, and B, listen to the audio. Um, there's no place for that. You know, it doesn't matter who it is, whether you're a footballer, um, you know, no woman, no anybody should have to go through that kind of um, that kind of abuse and that kind of stress. So, yeah, look, everybody's talking about Mason Greenwood as they would because he's high profile. He's a football player. But I think our thoughts need to be with the victim here uh, more than anybody else. Uh, let's uh, let's keep moving uh, through the chat. Tariq Talk says on a scale of one to ten. How confident do you feel about Arsenal making the signing before the window shuts? One being no confidence, 10 being signing incoming. I'm going to go with a six. I'm I'm 60% confident that Arsenal will get somebody in uh, between now and the end of the window. Uh, let's see what else we've got. SP says, Harry with Spurs strengthening their squad. What if Arsenal don't get anyone before deadline? Is that goodbye to the top four? Look, as I've said before, I think Arsenal's team when everybody's fit and available, is good enough. It is definitely good enough to get into the top four. But we're relying on everybody being in top form. We're relying on everybody staying in shape. We're relying on things going our way, the rubber, the green. And, and unfortunately, in football, it, things don't work like that. Often, to achieve big objectives, and for Arsenal, getting in the top four right now is a big objective, you either have to have the perfect storm or you have to be able to weather uh, whatever storm comes your way. And I don't have confidence in the depth of this squad and in some ways in the manager, because, you know, I, I give him a, a lot of support and, you know, and, and always sort of say that this is a, a long-term thing and we shouldn't lose our shit every five minutes. But I also do recognise that he's a, that he's inexperienced and I do recognise that he makes mistakes, sometimes in his in-game management. I'll call it out when I think that's what's let us down. Um, but what I can't tolerate is people pointing at that when I don't believe that's the reason we lost the game. And that's why I always kind of support him in that sense, because I think it's very easy to look at the manager when players are underperforming and say, well, he's the man, he's the one responsible and he's got to go. But a lot of the time you can set up a team right if they don't perform, if they don't produce what you're asking them to produce, then you don't stand a significant chance of winning the game. So is the top four going to be gone? Look, I think the top four was always going to be a difficult achievement. And I'm not 
just saying this now to back the club. I've said this um, throughout the course of the season. I keep saying it. Top four for me is Arsenal's absolute ceiling. If we hit that, that will be a brilliant season. Not a good season, a fantastic season. If we finish in the top six, it's been a good season. And anything below that is simply not up to standard. Let's see um, what else we've got here. Uh, Dave says, Harry, I feel both players are gone. Talking about uh, Aubameyang and Nketiah, I'm assuming. Regarding the ESAC deal being done, not so sure until I see it. Yeah, look, let me be clear again, uh, just for, for clarity. I've said it a few times now, but I, I want to be really clear on this. I'm not saying that the deal is done. Um, I'm saying that a discussion has taken place. Uh, <laughs> Matt G, touch your ear if we're signing Isak tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Uh, Bad Boy says uh, the latest reports say Real Sociedad want us to pay the full release clause. I'm not surprised by that. Um, and as I said to you guys yesterday, I don't think that... Um, you know, I don't think that Real Sociedad are going to be pushovers here. You know, why would they be? Um, obviously, that release clause is there to protect them. But as I, as I also said, I think that there are question marks and doubts within Arsenal as to whether or not, as I told you before, firstly, Arsenal can afford to lay out 90 million euros in one go and B, as to whether Alexander Isak is worth that. Because remember, Alexander Isak is a great player and he brings you a lot. He really does in terms of his link-up play, in terms of his overall game. I think he's brilliant. And I would actually argue that outside of the penalty area, he's at a higher level than Dusan Vlavic in terms of what he brings to you. And I put a little clip out on Twitter from uh, one of our Chronicles of Aguna shows a few days ago where we were joined by Jonas Yeva, La Liga expert. And he talked about why, in his opinion, Alexander Isak would be more suited to this Arsenal side. But when it comes to goals and output, He's not at the same level as Vlavic. And that's why with Arsenal going into this market and going into this window, I, I, I'd imagine that there would have been um, a, a, more of a willingness to go above and beyond what they initially planned to spend with Dusan Vlavic because there's more of a guarantee and nothing's a guarantee in football, but you'd, you'd back that horse over Alexander Isak in terms of goals and outputs. And ultimately, that's what strikers and forwards are judged on. So I think that with Alexander Isak, I think there's a recognition and an acknowledgement that it would be a bit of a project signing. And with Dusan Vlavic, I think Arsenal felt that this was a ready-made option. You know, he was he was cooked. He was ready to go. And so, um, you know, I think that had this been the other way around, had Dusan Vlavic had that release clause, I think Arsenal would have been more open to doing that. I'm not saying they would have definitely done, but I think they would have been more willing to stretch than they are maybe with Alexander Isak. But listen, we might get desperate. Uh, maybe Arsenal have already decided to do that, but the information I have uh, is not quite that. Um, <laughs> Chris Carrick, and how bad of a husband are you exactly, Harry? Yeah, I'm. I, look, I'm... No, it's not that I'm a bad husband. I, I just, um, I'm not very good at stuff like that. I'm not very good at the whole romantic side of it, uh, buying cards, buying flowers and thinking about doing those things in advance. I normally wake up in the morning and go, shit, it's your birthday. Better make an excuse to pop out to the shops. Yo-Yo <laughs> uh, says, uh, would you prefer Arsenal to pay the release clause for Isak or overpay for the next best option if it's less 
than the proposed fee for the suite. Well, this is the thing again, right? One of the big things for me is is that I don't want to see Arsenal go out and bring in players they don't believe are fit for purpose. I don't want to see Arsenal go out there and sign players for the sake of it. I don't want to see stopgap options. And in a lot of ways, I'd rather we sign nobody than sign somebody who's just so clearly not the right fit. If you believe that Alexander Isak is 100% your man, but you can't get it done this window and you can get it done in the summer, do that. But then you've got to be careful with what you do with the options that we currently have. That means you can't let Eddie and Ketia go. And I'm not saying he's definitely going, but there are discussions ongoing about that. You can't let Eddie and Ketia go. And I would question the decision to let Aubameyang go and whether Arsenal have done everything within their power. And I'm not saying they haven't because I don't know. But have Arsenal tried everything within their power to try and mend and, and put things right with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? Because if he goes and Enketia does end up going, we are desperately short. And even if Enketia stays, we're still too short, in my opinion. So don't want to see Arsenal overspend. But by the same token, don't want to see us left too short. Uh, let's keep going uh, through the chat. Uh, lots and lots uh, going on. Uh, Pavel Andreev came in 10 minutes late and put the stream on one and a half speed. I might do that. Listen to myself talking at one and a half speed. He says, you look like you've had a bucket of coffee. I'll tell you what, mate. I tried to take a day off with the kids today. And um, I feel like I need another day off to get over the day off that I tried to take. Um, it's... it's oh. Hats off to the to the missus because I don't know how she does it. You lot think I work hard. That is a, a different level. Uh, let's keep going through. Uh, some of you saying that you're five out of ten confident that we'll bring somebody in. Um, Nikomo says, uh, Harry, hold your hat. The meltdown tomorrow is going to be mad. There will be serious, serious head explosions. Yes, there will. And there'll be, I'm sure, YouTube streams popping off everywhere and anywhere. Uh, for you guys to get your teeth into. Um, let's see what else we've got. Um, Clement says, uh, is this the real reason Arteta went to America? Did talk about it at the time. Was he going out there to plead for transfer fees um, or transfer funds, sorry, uh, to be made available? I I said to you guys that I'd heard from someone that that was one reason why he might have gone. I heard from others that it was to do with his contract. I heard from others that it was just a routine visit to keep kind of contact with his employers and that it was pre-planned. But, you know, I, I don't really know the answer to that. I wouldn't want to speculate on that. Uh, Tobago Guna says, Harry, should Edu and Arteta resign if we fail to make at least sixth? Um, I don't think they should resign because I don't think they will. Um, you know, I... The idea of someone resigning is kind of someone admitting that they've got it wrong. And I think that in a world like football, you're not going to get a lot of that because accepting your mistakes or acknowledging or taking responsibility for mistakes is almost like an, saying to everybody else out there that you're not good enough at your job. So I don't expect anyone will resign. Um, it would be on the club, wouldn't it, to assess the job they've done make the right decision. And if they don't feel they've made the good job, uh, made the right decisions and done a good job of it, then you kick them out. Simple as that. Uh, let's see what else we've got. And apologies if I missed some of your comments. There are so, so many um, coming through that I, I am missing some of them. And I do apologize uh, for that. Uh, Tom Sabol says, will Isaac's edition, Isaac's edition, 
end up being the high tide that lifts all boats. He might not score 30 goals, but if he, Martinelli and Saka each get 15, we're better. Yeah, and I think that Mikel Arteta realised quite early on um, this season and... No, let me rephrase that. I think Mikel Arteta recognised quite a while back that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang up front scores you more goals than Alexander Lacazette in general, but isn't that high tide that you described that lifts all the boats. And I think with Alexander Lacazette, when we're critical of him, and, and sometimes it's it's very much justified, it's because we feel he could score more goals. I don't think anybody really has much issue with his all-round game, though, and his game outside of the goal-scoring bit, which is obviously key for a striker. But I, I do think that Mikel Arteta has recognised that if he's got a striker that does a specific job and is a little bit more unselfish and is a little bit more willing to do the dirt, the dirty work, it does create spaces and opportunities for the likes of Saka, who's having a better season in front of goal, Smith Rose having a better season in front of goal, Martinelli, who's thriving at the moment, Martin Odegaard. I think that there is a, a real recognition uh, within the club and, and among the coaching staff that they need a striker to not just score goals, but to raise the level of those around them. And I think that's why Aubameyang has found himself out on his ass, and why Aubameyang was sometimes being deployed from the left, at other times not even starting, because Mikel recognised that that was the one thing that was missing with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. I, I genuinely do believe that. Uh, Graham Brooks, big hello to Graham. How are you doing, mate? Um, I hope you're well. Uh, he says, if Nketiah goes as well as Aubameyang, Arsenal will be left with 17 outfield players, Harry. Yeah, that's not good enough. Um, I haven't done the maths, but I'll take your word for it. And it's simply not good enough. Uh, what else have we got uh, in the live chat? Keep them coming. Uh, we'll go for another uh, 10, 15 minutes or so. Uh, Mohamed says, I'm extremely frustrated with this shambolic board. All clubs are making signings. We're weaker than before. Shame on the board and Edu. All the best, Mohammed. Thank you uh, so much, mate. Uh, what else do we have here? Do, 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 do. Um, and, and I agree with this, by the way, from Ben Wilson, okay? Because obviously there is concern about Arsenal leaving themselves dangerously short. I think every single one of us, no matter how much you back or support the club or support Arteta, has to acknowledge that we are paper thin in terms of squad depth. Uh, but Ben Wilson says, we've been moaning about these players for years and now they're going, everyone is crying. It's true. Okay. They, look, losing Callum Chambers is not something I'm going to lose sleep over. Losing Ainsley Maitland-Niles is not something I'm going to lose sleep over. I certainly won't lose sleep over Pablo Marie moving on. And I definitely categorically won't lose sleep over the fact that, say, Kalasinac is gone. So that's absolutely spot on from Ben. But I think the issue that people have right now is that they're worried that the squad is too thin and that's going to come back and bite us on the arse, which I think is a very valid concern to have. But I agree with you with regards to the actual personnel uh, that's moved on. It's it's not something to, to lose your shit over. Look, guys, there's over 700 of you watching us live right now. We've only got 212 likes on the board. Let's get that up to 300. Come on, that should be uh, nice and easy and really, really does help. Uh, Martin uh, says, Harry, have you seen the Dubai training video? We could drop Enketia now and play Ramsdale. Uh, he's got a shot on him. Oh, man, that finish was incredible. I must have watched it uh, about 10 times earlier on today. Completely agree. Um, do, 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 do. <laughs> uh, I'm just laughing at some of the comments. 
uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, yes, 700 of you watching, over 700 of you watching, as Noah uh, points out in the chat. Fantastic stuff. Uh, uh, Graham comes up with another really good point. Arteta has now moved on 16 players in two years, including Aubameyang. Is Aubameyang proof that once he falls out with a player, he hasn't got the man management skills to resolve and sort it out? See, I think that's a bit unfair. And, and I'll tell you why, Graham. I think that's a little bit unfair because to solve something, to resolve an issue between two people, both people have to be willing to come to the table. Both people have to be willing to compromise and both people have to be willing to own what their part in the original falling out was. And I'm not saying that, you know, I know exactly what's gone down, but I think it's unfair to say that it's all on Arteta when it could just as much be on Aubameyang. Um, and equally, it's unfair to say it's all on Aubameyang when Arteta could have been uh, at the forefront of this as well. I think we've got to be careful here. All we know, and, and there's nothing to suggest that that hasn't been the case, is that Aubameyang breached the disciplinary procedure. And that in itself is unacceptable. We also know that Aubameyang's done this on more than one occasion, which for your club captain is simply not a good look. So I think Arteta's moved 16 players on because we were in such a shit state that that needed to happen. And and I don't blame him for that. I think at the time, we all looked at that squad and said it needs ripping out and building from scratch. And as I keep saying to you all, I think that you can't truly rebuild something unless you completely knock it down to its foundations. And there was always going to be a period in which Arsenal were going to be light as a consequence of the mass exodus before they're able to get players back in. Look, the way we operate as a football club means it's you've got to get someone out to bring someone in. You've got to clear space. That's the way it works at Arsenal. Has been that way for years. That's not something new to Mikel Arteta. You know, how many times did we move on uh, what we believe to be really important players and then Wenger would then bring someone in who would come in and do a decent job? I thought Wenger, up until the last three seasons or so was really good at finding replacements and rebuilding and maintaining a certain standard uh, despite us losing key players. But the turnover thing is something that needed to happen. I would be concerned if after this summer, we still saw that level of turnover. And then we once you start circling back and getting rid of players that you've brought in, I think that's when you, the alarm bells need to start ringing. And I know there have been some cases of that. I know that William was one of them. I know that Pablo Marie was one of them. But I think overall, the the turnover in players is is something that just had to happen. And I don't really blame Mikel for doing that or taking that decision. And as for the Aubameyang thing, mate, as I said, I, I don't know for sure that Aubameyang's even been willing to try and resolve this. So it's impossible for me to say, that Arteta has not got the man management skills to resolve it. Um, we've seen other situations where he's fallen out of players. We've also seen situations like the Maitland-Niles one, where Maitland-Niles went on Instagram and and basically claimed he was a prisoner at the football club, only for him to then be convinced to stay on a little bit longer and give it another go. So, you know, that's that's that contradicts, I guess, um, the idea of him once it's it's broken. It's never been fixed. I, I don't know, mate, but it's a really good point. I just think that we've got to be careful of, uh, of, I guess, 
pinning the blame on one party solely exclusively without being mindful of the fact that we don't know everything that's going on here. Uh, what else have we got? I love this from Henry. Uh, in response to the comment about us having 17 outfield players, Henry Gooner says, Harry, we won the double in 1971 with a squad of 14 players. Great point. Absolutely love that. Uh, we've got a Millwall fan in the chat. You keep saying Millwall were better than Arsenal, mate. Well, they were obviously not, but whatever makes you sleep well at night, mate. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, I know lots of you are watching Canada versus the USA live right now uh, in the World Cup qualifier. I might go and catch the rest of that uh, after this stream. I haven't even eaten dinner yet. Uh, so I might put myself a bit of dinner, sit in front of the TV, and watch a bit of international football. Uh, I'm going to take a couple more uh, questions before we jump off. But again, sorry to do this again, but please do hit that like button if you haven't done so already. We're around about 30 likes away from hitting that 300 target. There's nearly 800 of you watching me live right now. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to get there. Right. Okay. Uh, what have we got? Uh, Fred says, uh, Harry, you act like a spokesperson for Arsenal. <laughs> I get this all the time. Um, I get this all the time. People seem to think that there's something in it for me in defending my club, in supporting my club. It's the way I choose to support my club. I've always been uh, quite willing to call them out when I think that they've done things horribly wrong. But because it is my club, I'm not willing to call people out on the basis of what might go wrong. Because that's a, a negative energy that just isn't helpful. Like, I don't, I don't go to games thinking we're not going to win today. So let me be pissed off before the game starts. Because if you go into things with that mindset, is it actually good for you? Is, is, is football actually what, like for me, football is an escape. It's an escape. It's a passion. It's something that's always kept me going and, and always helped me. Even when I've had a little bit of a shit time. It's it's the thing that's always been able to keep me engaged. And I'm very, very lucky and very, very fortunate that it's now what my job centers around. But part of that reason is because I'm always optimistic because I always defend my club. And I think that for the most part, we should we should be like that, you know? If it goes wrong, if if this lack of signings or what we believe to be a lack of signings between now and the end of the window comes back to bite us in the ass. I'll be sitting here saying it was wrong and it was a mistake. But it's this desire from Arsenal fans to see Arsenal fail or to preempt Arsenal's failures that drives me mad. And I, I'll never get my head around it. Look, everybody can support the club the way that they want to. Um, and everybody can, uh, you know, can do things the way they want. Um, but that's not me. That's not the way I look at it. Um, Inter Yanan says you cried all the time under the last manager. Yeah, I said that I wasn't happy with Unai Emery. I said that I didn't think the job he was doing was the right one. And I said that I didn't think that Unai Emery was the man to take Arsenal forward. That was an opinion. But I didn't say it when Unai Emery was on a 22 game unbeaten run in the hope that if I said it and it came true a year later, I'd look like a genius. I said along the way that there were things that I didn't think were quite right. I didn't think the recruitment at the time was right. And you look at all those players that came in during the Emery days and look where they are now. 
you know, look, look where they are now. They're, they're nowhere to be seen. They're, they're not good enough. They didn't cut it at Arsenal. So it's okay to express a view and express an opinion about something that you believe could go wrong. But we're at a point now where the Arsenal fan base are losing their minds over stuff before it even happens. You can point something out. You can talk about it. But, you know, that. but let's not lose our minds. Darren Sullivan, Emery was 10 times better than Arteta the Apprentice. So why support Arteta, Harry? Because, um, because I believe that Mikel Arteta had a harder job coming in. And I believe that at Emery, with Emery, we... All right, let, let, let me use this analogy. Arsenal was broken under Arsene Wenger at the end of Arsene Wenger's reign. Okay? Arsenal was broken. The recruitment was was wrong. It was bad for a number of years, which put us in a position where we had a shit squad, very average team. We had a few players over the years, the Alexis Sanchez's, the Mesut Ozil's, the Robin Van Persie's, who kept getting us over the line when we actually didn't deserve it. And, and those players were almost papering over the cracks. At the end of Wenger's tenure, Arsenal were broken. And what Arsenal decided to do was, before embarking on a long-term project and before deciding that we needed to, a complete reset at the football club, they were going to give it one more go of putting a plaster over the wound and seeing if we could get over the line again with an experienced manager in Unai Emery and with a manager who had experience and joy and success in a cup competition we were in that would put us back in the Champions League. So the mindset was bring an experienced guy in on the short term. This team isn't great. It isn't perfect. But can he be enough to get us over the line and get us back in the Champions League because of what he brings as a manager? We'll give him a few signings. We'll supplement it with a few signings that Sven Mislintat at the time was recommending. And that's what they did. And the biggest telltale sign of that, the, the, the fact that Arsenal were only ever interested in Unai Emery in the short term, was that he was given a two-year contract. Who gets a two-year contract now? Who gets a two-year... What manager goes into a big job and gets a two-year contract unless he is the one calling the shots? Antonio Conte at Tottenham is the one calling the shots, right? They were so desperate to get him. He's so above Tottenham's level that he's able to dictate the terms. Unai Emery wasn't. Unai Emery wasn't bigger than Arsenal Football Club. Unai Emery's stock wasn't as high when he was coming into the job as... Um, as Antonio Conte's is going into Tottenham. In fact, it was the other way around. Unai Emery desperately wanted the Arsenal job and therefore Arsenal could dictate the terms that were given to him because they were in the driving seat. They gave him a two-year contract. They tried to patch things up and they tried to get us back over the line and back into, um, into the Champions League. And I'll tell you this, had Arsenal won that Europa League final or finished in the top four, narrowly missed out that season and got ourselves back in the Champions League, I guarantee you that Unai Emery still wouldn't have lasted longer than that two-year contract because he was only ever a short-term fix. So when Mikel Arteta comes in and you hit that reset button, you have to acknowledge and understand that a total reset is going to take longer than trying to put a Band-Aid over a cut. And that's what Arsenal were trying to do the first time around. And that's how I see it, genuinely. And, and people would disagree with that. And people would say, um, 
you know, I'm 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 not being fair, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that's the way it is. And and just to kind of reiterate that point because I, I should have made it clear when I said what manager gets a two year deal, I should have said what manager gets a two year deal at Arsenal, really, because this is not a club that's been knee jerk over the years. You know, somebody's pointing out the Chelsea thing, Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, look, Thomas Tuchel might have gone there on a short term deal, but Chelsea sat managers like they're going out of fashion. You know, it's it's a different operating model. And all I'm saying is that the fact Emery was offered that short-term contract was clearly a sign that Arsenal weren't sure he was Wenger's long-term successor. He was the guy that was coming in to hopefully be the bridge and get us back into the Champions League and, and keep us ticking over, keep us uh, at the top table. And then we could bring in uh, somebody later down the line to be a project long-term build manager. That's my opinion anyway. Right. We are going to leave it there. Um, been going for around about 50 minutes or so. I am absolutely starving. I'm looking forward to sitting down, eating some dinner, chilling out and watching uh, some sport for the remainder of the evening. By the way, did you guys see uh, that Australian Open final? Wow. Uh, Rafael Nadal, absolute legend. What a hero. Really, really enjoyed that. It was a long old watch, but it was certainly worth it. Uh, right. Going to leave it there. Over 800 of you with us right now across the multiple platforms. Let's get the likes up as far as we possibly can between now and the outro. If you're watching us and you haven't hit it, what are you freeloading for? Get involved. Uh, what are you eating? Lasagna. Looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, please do subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. And if you'd like to become a member, you know the drill. Check out Athletic Greens, our sponsors, the link to their uh Fantastic product is in the description below. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a number of streams, I think. Um, and if you're listening on the audio, this will be today. We're definitely going to be doing a lunchtime stream. Uh, we're probably going to do a late afternoon one as well, just depending on how things go. Um, no, wait. I'm on the 90 min stream from four o'clock till six o'clock. Okay, so we're doing a really big transfer special over there. There'll be different people representing different clubs. It's really well planned and organized. Hopefully it goes uh, well. Uh, but that's on 90 min from 4 till 6 p.m. I'll be bringing you a stream at lunchtime and I will definitely 100% be bringing you guys a stream after the window shuts. Time will be confirmed. So it's going to be a late one. Come and join me uh, for that. I really, uh, really look forward to it. And I might have to have a couple of beers before that one, depending on how things go right catch you all very very soon thank you all so much for your very kind comments in the chat we'll be back next time with more arsenal content until then goodbye you're listening to the chronicles of aguna the arsenal podcast i'm martin tyler and you're listening to harry Simeon.